Support for the Source podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org. Live from the John L. Santico studio, this is The Source from Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. The border and immigration have become dominant issues in the race for the White House and also down ballot. Today, President Biden is in Brownsville on the border, and Donald Trump will be in Eagle Pass later this evening on Fox News. But what are voters' concerns about the border? How informed are they or how misinformed are they? Will you be basing your votes on the issue of border security or immigration? Give us a call, 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. You can also send us an email to the source at tpr.org. We're now joined by Jocelyn Kiley, Associate Director of Research at the Pew Research Center. Uh, Y'all have been looking at what are Americans' attitudes and views, opinions about uh, what's happening on the border and migration. And and Jocelyn, welcome to The Source. Thank you for having me. So what are your findings uh, about uh, what Americans think about uh, migration uh, to the United States? Well, broadly, I would say Americans are dissatisfied with the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, a question we've been tracking for some time. Uh, we've really found that, that Americans have never thought that the U.S. government has handled this well in, in recent years. But today, only about 20 percent of Americans say that the government's doing a good job. Um, and just for, for contrast, if we go back to 2019, on a prior administration, that number was just 33 percent. So it was better, but still not great. Um, when we ask Americans all uh, several things about uh, their attitudes, there's a sense that the situation is uh, either a major problem or a crisis. And there's a partisan divide on a lot of attitudes around immigration. Republicans are much more likely to say it's a crisis than Democrats, but Democrats do say it's a it's a major problem, um, and there's some agreement over you know what it is that's motivating uh, migration. Certainly, both Republicans and Democrats see migrants coming for economic reasons, but there is disagreement um, around other motivations. To what degree uh, there's a perception that that migrants are fleeing violence uh, in their home c- countries, and to what degree migrants are coming because they perceive a, a liberal. Uh, environment and where people will be allowed to stay, um, regardless of why they're coming. Uh, there's, you know, we do a great deal of polling in, in in more detail over some of the potential solutions, and there are some areas of agreement, but but there's a lot of area of disagreement as well. So it's a it's a very contentious issue. Um, certainly, we we see that in the way that our uh, political actors are talking about the issue, but it's true in the American public as well. So this is a divisive issue, and we certainly see from the data that you've gathered that uh, the the people who were polled, they, if they identify Republican or, or Democrat or they lean uh, those ways, that's, it, it does, you can see a, a big difference in, in how they see what's happening on the border? It, it certainly, I, I think it's true that both Democrats and Republicans see a challenge or a crisis at the border, but what that crisis looks like is very different for Republicans uh, than it is for Democrats. So even when you talk about solutions, so for instance, certainly Republicans are far more likely to say expanding the border wall would improve the situation. Democrats 
really generally reject that as a solution. But Democrats are also just more likely to point to you know, improving safe and sanitary conditions for, for those who are migrating. Um, and even when we talk about people who are seeking asylum, uh, Republicans are more likely to say it would improve the, the situation if you made it harder for people seeking asylum to, to gain uh, temporary legal status, where Democrats are more likely to say uh, that it would help the situation to make it easier for people who uh, arrive and are seeking asylum to get temporary work permits. So there really are very different perceptions of what the challenges are and what the solutions are. And I think it's important to point out that what you're reporting on is what uh, the Americans are, are saying with how they feel about this issue. But how they were or feeling about this issue is responding to their uh, consumption of telling them that it's a it's a crisis or that we have this uh, problem on the border. I mean, how many how many people have actually been personally impacted by something that as uh, as a result of what's going on on the border? No, that that's absolutely right. You know, many Americans are not you know don't live uh, on the border near near the border, or you maybe some Americans are are living in places where migrants have been bust and are, are interacting uh, with with the situation through that. But it is absolutely true that the vast majority of Americans do not have direct experience with what's happening at the, at the border and so are, are reacting to the information that they're getting from their, their media organ, organizations. And so we see frequently that the media media organizations will will do branding of their stories about you know the border and they will brand it as a crisis. But uh, you're finding that some people are saying that they don't see it as a crisis. More likely, they they want to call it a problem. But seeing how that this has been going on for decades, I mean, I don't see how you can have a 40-year-long crisis. Eventually, I mean, it becomes you know just what it is. I mean, it's a border. Yeah, I, I think one, one. I think you're absolutely right, um, and and I do think there there is a distinction between who perceives it as a crisis and who perceives it as, as a problem. And I do think a, a lot of our data shows that there's a sense among some Americans that there's this is an intractable problem. You know, we have been tracking these attitudes for some time, and it, as I said, it's certainly not new. Many many Americans have had frustration with the situation at, at the border predating this administration and even predating the prior administration. Um, so as you say, it, um, it, this is not uh, an immediate issue that, ha that has just arrived. So. And so there's like, there is misinformation in the information lane or stream saying that people who cross the border qualify for food stamps and for welfare and social security. That's something that we hear uh, Republicans say that's not true. Also, they're saying, I've heard Republicans, uh, in office holders saying that these people who come across will be allowed to vote uh, in the coming election, and that's why uh, they, they blame Biden for this. Did you find uh, people who had those types of views? Sure. We, we actually asked people to, in their own words, tell us what their top concern about the situation at the border is. And you're certainly right that that first set of concerns, um, there, a fair number of Americans so about a quarter of, of Americans offered a concern that had to do with what we characterize as economic burden, that there's a strain on um, the social safety net, um, that, it, that it costs a lot, and including including some people who specifically said things like, like you were saying, that, that 
that migrants will qualify for benefits um, and, and so forth. I would say the vast majority of these concerns are more broadly about um, the strain on, on the resources of of the states and the cities and the and the government more broadly, so not necessarily in the sense of of claiming that that migrants will get certain benefits that they might not actually um, be eligible for. But and then there's also there's a there's a large a similar share of Americans who cite security concerns, um, concerns about crime, concerns about drugs, and so forth. I will say the share of Americans, at least on this question, who you know unprompted offer a concern about um, you know, migrants coming and voting illegally right. is very small. That doesn't mean that there, that concern isn't there. It's just not the top of mind concern that people. Right, mention. but these are not true. These things are not actually happening. Right. But this, you're reflecting what people think, and that's important. And I really appreciate uh, you helping us right. see that. Uh, Jocelyn Kylie is associate director of research at the Pew Research Center. Uh, thank you for coming on and and, and giving us information today. And uh, we're going to continue. And I, I've got to let you go. I appreciate you coming on. And we come back. We'll continue our discussion about what is happening on the border. This is the source from Texas Public Radio. Support for TPR comes from La Fonda on Main, honoring the authentic cuisine of interior Mexico since 1932. Open for lunch, brunch, and dinner. More information at lafondaonmain.com. You're listening to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. Organizations in San Antonio and South Texas and along the Texas-Mexico border are coming together for the journeys of resistance. They are calling for the repeal of SB4, which has been called the Show Me Your Papers law. They say it's unconstitutional. And they're also fighting for human rights along the border. They have launched a campaign, We Will Resist, uh, trying to raise awareness of the benefits of migration to the United States and also pointing out the disinformation that many people are sharing uh, about uh, what's happening on the border. Uh, And you can call in. As we have this conversation, 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. Uh, with me now to uh, a member of this organization, uh, Fernando Garcia. He's the executive director of the Border Network for Human Rights. And Fernando Garcia, welcome to The Source. Hey, thanks for having me. So today, this is breaking news, the, a federal judge has temporarily blocked the Texas law, SB4, that would allow local police to arrest people suspected of being in the state illegally and the creation of a state deportation force. So um, what is your reaction to today's news? Of course, we're very pleased and happy. I mean, uh, we've been saying all of this time in this journey of resistance, uh, even before, actually, it's before passed the legislature, that it was clearly illegal and unconstitutional. I mean, that's the baseline for us. I mean, this is how the state of Texas had decided to implement its own immigration system, from arresting people to detain people to the poor people in Texas without any connection to the federal system, which historically, and that's the, that's the argument that has been used, used by the judge, is the responsibility of the federal government to enforce border and immigration laws. So I think uh, the ruling is clear. I mean, it's obviously it's a temporary injunction, uh, well, I would expect that now the state is going to appeal it, right, in the Fifth Circuit, and um, and then the whole battle is going to continue all the way to the Supreme Court. So I think, uh, but it's, it's for, for us, it's, we're pleased that it happened. I think the dangers of SB4, we had seen it already in practice, how DPS, street troopers, local police had been acting as immigration agencies, uh, agents and officers without being 
don't have the authority to do so, but they are not trained to do so. They don't have uh, a strategy to do so. So I think that was an unfunded mandate, and uh, we're going to continue fighting the implementation of SB4 in Texas. So you heard the conversation that we had with Jocelyn Kiley at the Pew Research Center talking about Americans' uh, views. Uh, and if I can get your reaction to that, and just can you move the microphone just a little bit closer right there? Yeah, there? talking to the microphone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it, this is the perfect example. As before, is the perfect, perfect example of how a legislation, a policy is, is being, uh, is produced as a result of a distorted narrative that doesn't exist. Uh, as before, is coming, and, and governor of Texas, uh, Greg Iwatt is saying that essentially the argument is that there's, there's an invasion of criminals at the border. Listen, I live in El Paso. Uh, many of our peers and family members are from El, from El Paso, Matamoros, Brownsville, uh, all of these cities uh, along the border. In all of those cities, including El Paso, they have top ranking of being the safest cities in the nation, in the state of Texas. So when they tell us that there's an invasion of criminals, that is totally wrong, but also it's distorted. It's, it's a political position that obviously is tainted with racism and supremacy, but uh, out of that argument that there's an invasion, SB4 was created. Operation Lone Star is being launched. The state is uh, spending a lot of money, a lot of manpower, to actually uh, uh, fight a, an enemy that doesn't exist. If I would like to actually picture or p give you an, a photo of what uh, the, real, the, the situation at the border with Texas is right now, you will see a river, in, and then on the Mexican side, you will see a family, uh, asylum seeker, and on the U.S. side you will see thousands of, of military, the state's military uh, forces and border walls and, and barbed wire. I, th I think that doesn't reflect the reality of what immigrants are about. I just want to point out that yesterday uh, the Cato Institute, which is a conservative institution, uh, put out a report saying that illegal immigrants have a low homicide conviction rate saying that uh, people who come across uh, migrants are less likely to conv uh, commit Ill, uh, violent crimes and uh, much more lower than people who are uh, American citizens. That, you know, this distortion that we're getting about how this is a, a group who are violent, who are coming to commit acts of violence, doesn't hold up. Of course, the uh, right-wing media is able to find, you know, a little examples and they blow that out of proportion of about someone who committed a crime, but that's not really, uh, you know, understand an understanding of what is happening. You know, I, I go back to the example of uh, El Paso, Texas. Uh, it's the third, the second uh, safest citizen in the nation in the, in, the, in the different rankings of security and safety. So that means that, that El Paso is safer than Washington, D.C., and probably safer than Dallas and, and Austin. Uh, and in El Paso, we have a m big uh, immig immigrant family, a fronterizo family that interact with the other side every day. So it is not true. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we, we need to call it out that the distortion is intentional. I mean, it has certain political goals, obviously. I mean, uh, unfortunately, some people believe that uh, painting immigrants as the enemy and the border uh, in violence and chaos and, and invasion they think that they're going to be using that argument as a political argument to get more votes. And, and, well, it's and working. It is working. And, and, and somebody from Kansas or somebody from Ch even Chicago or somewhere somewhere in the Middle East uh, 
of, um, of the United States, if they will listen that something is happening at the border, that there are criminals coming across, obviously they're going to react to that. But they don't. But they don't know the reality. They don't. They don't know the intention of that narrative. I mean, what is behind that narrative? People do not know. So people is reacting and and saying that yes, we need to shut down the border, because the reality that is being presented to them is like that. I mean, it's infused with fear and uh, and people is afraid that this is really happening. But but it's not true. I mean, as as clear as that, it is not true. I mean, we had families that are arriving at the border, children and women. Many of them looking for an opportunity, others looking for protection and asylum. That is the actual reality. And you mentioned the crises. I mean, whether we have a crisis or not, um, and, and then Democrats and Republicans are struggling with that with, with with that definition. What I can tell you is, yes, I do believe we have some crisis, but it's the this a humanitarian crisis. People even immigrants, families, staying in the street in the cold weather with no protections at all we have we have a crisis of lack of a welcoming infrastructure we don't have the the ellis island opportunity that we should have at the border as we did have it in new york uh, a century ago for example i mean we need to have a more decent way to deal with issues issues of immigrants and immigrant families but um at the end of the day this is a losing issue for democrats and progressives and people who want to see Good things happen on the border and, and changing policies that would be more welcoming and deal with the humanitarian crisis. Uh, the Republicans and the right wing conservatives are, are using this issue and they're winning with this issue uh, and most of the time. Uh, that, and, and, we're, we're seeing, and that's why we're seeing uh, Trump on the border this evening. He'll be on Fox News on Sean Hannity with Ted Cruz. And we can talk about Ted Cruz's migration story if you wanted to. But also, and then we have uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, in Brownsville today trying to counter the narrative. Listen, I, I do believe uh, in more than ever that borders in the United States have defined the character of the nation. And when I say that is I, I go back 125 years ago where, or less than that, I mean 75 years ago when you would see the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island as the symbol of America. I mean, what that meant for us is that we, we were a nation of immigrants. E plurimus unum, right? I mean, that, that people that were exceptional, we were exceptional because of immigration, but, but that symbol was defined by the border. In that case, the, that border in New York City. I do believe that right now we're in the middle of defining what America is gonna be for the next 50 years. Is, are we gonna be a country that ends up dealing with people with cages, jails, border walls, deportation, prison, militarization. Is that the way the American is going to go for the next 50, 100 years? Or will, we're going to recognize that at the end of the day, immigrants build this country. They were the ones sustaining this country during the pandemic. and has the, well, the, but You're making a very academic response, but it's a political situation. And that's not going to win over anyone who thinks that who's going to base their vote on, you know, what they're seeing on, not just on Fox News, but also on the local five o'clock news who are running with this narrative. Uh, because, I mean, this, this is not just, when we have so many people misinformed about an issue, this is a, you know, you have to say this is a, a failure of the media to tell the, the correct story. I don't think it's a failure of the media, of the media necessarily. 
what I think is a failure of, of, of political system, how, how we had allowed to infuse xenophobia, racism, and white supremacy to immigration discussion. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the root of it because we're not having a, polit a policy discussion right now about how do we fix whatever is broken. We're having a political dis discussion when people is coming from, from an ideological side. In this case, from people that believe that immigrants are a threat to the nation, forgetting that they were immigrants themselves, their families were immigrants. Yeah, they so have I, I forgotten that. So, and reminding them is not going to accomplish anything. You know, that's not, not that they're suddenly going to remember, oh, yeah, my grandfather came to this country, you know, I, but that's to them, it's like, well, I'm here, my family I have now is here, and they're not, and they're worried about what they see, the videos of people coming well, across are, the, the are, Rio they Grande. Are, they are worrying about something that doesn't exist. I mean, that's the point. I mean, they are worrying about that invasion that never happened. They are they are worrying about immigrants stealing jobs, which they are not. I mean, I, 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 we need to- They're stealing the jobs that no one wants. You know, they're, 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 they're oh, here to work. <laughs> I mean, course. these people are coming to work. I, I wonder, that, that, that person sitting in an office uh, uh, calling out immigrants are stealing jobs. Uh, if, if that person is going to go to the fields in New Mexico to pick up tomatoes and, and, or, or working on construction uh, or building roads, I mean, that is not going to be filled by the, the quote-unquote regular Americans. So I go back to this idea that, that we need to recognize in even corporations and even the economists uh, in the Chamber of Commerce are recognizing now that the factor that is helping the growth after this crisis that we had had, not only the economic crisis, but also the pandemic, is the work of immigrants. So it seems that, that we're shooting ourselves in the feet, in the foot, when we're saying that we don't want immigrants because at the end of the day, it's going to come and hunt us because then things are going to get even worse economically for everybody. So yes, I mean, playing with fear towards immigrants is very powerful. I recognize that fear becomes a part of political tour but we need to play with this idea of humanity. We need to call it out. We need to call out American values. I mean, what are we about then? Are we about families or not? Are we willing to sacrifice children in cages at the border or not? I mean, what is what we're willing to do in what America stands for? I think it is, it is it's a moral imperative to call people on that. All right. Um, so we have Biden on the border today. Uh, he's fighting to push forward his uh, bipartisan um, uh, border security deal, uh, and it doesn't work well with progressives. Uh, we, we can talk about that uh, more coming up because we got to hit this break, and we need a lot of uh, run, runway uh, to to explain why there is uh, why that's so controversial. But he Biden is is um, trying to change the narrative, rework the framework, so that he is able to address many of the concerns that voters have. And if and if uh, this is an issue, do, do you think that the his, that this is going to be something that the election will will hinge on? Yes, I mean, unfortunately, yes, but it's gonna it's an issue that is, but people is not well informed, as we say that already is is, is there's distortions happening. Uh, is, is people is making a decision on a, on very little information. I, I think uh, that is the that is the fact at this point. But there's an incentive to provide misinformation, which is you know what we're seeing from uh, Governor Greg Abbott, uh, you know, and uh, Donald Trump, and uh, many people uh, who are running for office uh, up and down the ballot. 
Uh, we're seeing these gross distortions about what is the border, why, how a border operates, who are migrants and, and why they are coming and, and how they are dealt with. So we're going to take a break. Our phone lines are open. If you've got a question, a comment, are you going to base your vote on the border issue, border security, migration, immigration? Uh, give us a call, 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. Source continues right after this. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. We're talking about the political issue of the border, border security, immigration. Why has this become a hot button issue? Uh, and are America's, is America being well served by how this issue is being presented, what they're being told? Uh, are they being informed or misinformed? being told that it is a crisis uh, on the border. Give us a call. The number is 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. Let's bring in another guest. This is Antonio Arellano. He is with NextGen America, which is the largest youth vote organization in the country. And Antonio, welcome to The Source. David, thank you so much for having me. So what does the youth vote make of this issue? You know, young people are looking for real solutions on immigration that address the root cause of migration and, and, and that help fill our labor needs and that protect immigrants and American-born workers alike. We want solutions that focus on a pathway to a permanent stay for immigrants that are seeking opportunity in America. But when politicians are playing politics with the lives of immigrants and refugees, many of them who are children and family, these games are not solving anything. And the young voters that NextGen is mobilizing across the country are listening closely to both Donald Trump and President Biden today as they make their remarks at the border to see what is the vision and the plans that they have for the future of this country. And they want to create overwhelmingly a humane immigration process that demands pathway to citizenship and a, a, a stop to detention and deportation and criminalization of migrants. Let's go to a caller. Um, our number is 833-877-8255. We have Jennifer on the line. And Jennifer, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, David. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling just to put another perspective, maybe. And my perspective is actually perspective because um, I, I, I understand everything that your guests are saying. And agree to a lot of it but i what i don't agree with is that it's all politics i think that the politics are a manifestation of what's going on in our minds and so um but people will be basing their vote on this isn't that make it politics we see politicians running with that um it, 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 and so um and they're not wedded to the truth in, in that process so uh, tell me more right we're People are not being uh, very successful at expressing themselves, mm-hmm. and, and so we turn we turn our metacognition into the physical world without knowing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for for your call. I appreciate that. Let me get reaction from Antonio Ariano with NextGen America about how uh, you know is it is do people, especially the young vote, they're reluctant to get 
you know, too political because, uh, you know, politics is, is gross and ugly and they'd rather not have to deal with that. You know, the young voters that I'm speaking to are uh, discontent with the state of affairs, both here nationally and internationally, but they're not disengaged and they are yearning to uh, be a part of this political process and to have their voices heard. And, you know, Jennifer's point about this not being political in nature, it should not be politicized because we're talking about human lives. Unfortunately, extremist Republicans in the state, um, the tip of the spear being Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and led by Donald Trump, have made this a campaign issue. Now, Gallup poll just came out last week, shows immigration is now surging to the top of minds across the country and is now one of the leading issues this election cycle. And while me, as a former undocumented immigrant who lived under DACA for over a decade before finally achieving my residency, I'll tell you something. I wish that my life wouldn't be as inextricably connected to politics, but it's inevitable when Republicans in this country uh, demand to keep this issue alive instead of finding solutions. You saw this just a couple of weeks ago when we had a bill, a bipartisan bill, to propose solutions, right, uh, to Jennifer's point, that are actually tangible, but they decided to play politics, and they decided to to bow to Donald Trump and to block that uh, that solution that was one of the most comprehensive. And let me just say, that bill was not perfect, and I have many issues with how extreme our legislation sometimes goes on, on immigration. But at the same time, we need to recognize that this is an issue that people will ultimately have a, a, an opportunity to make a decision on at the ballot box come this November. Fernando Garcia, the executive director of the Border Network for Human Rights, that bipartisan deal did not include a pathway to citizenship. It was uh, actually pretty harsh when it came to dealing with asylum seekers. Um, it just seemed like the best deal that Republicans would, would be getting, and yet they turned it down? They did. And... Um and I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that they turned them down because uh, he had the elements that many Republicans are pushing for, including shutting down the border. I mean, give the president the authority to shut down the border. Uh, obviously, that is not a solution. It's a, it's a political statement at the end of the day. But, um, but, but I never really understood what they meant by shutting down the border, because when you can look at the numbers, how big like the port of Laredo has become the most successful international port that we have in, in the United States. And, you know, we can't shut down trade. So it's not doesn't have to do with trade. What does it mean to shut down the border? It, it, it means nothing and everything at the same time. And let me tell you, I mean, when, when I was talking to some of uh, some of these uh, peers in some, in some debates and discussions about what the border, uh, how the border should be managed, uh, everybody talk about operational control of the border, for example. I mean, that we need to have operational control of the border. And when we were in, we went to the details, what that meant, so you, you found that some people wanted to have control of who was coming in and out generally. But some people were, were saying that the only metric to be used is that nobody crossed the border. Not one we, single person. Not one single person. You couldn't even manage that with the Berlin Wall. Of course. You can even manage that here in, in my house at the end of the day. So I, I think that is... That is irrational. We're never going to get there. But however, that is part of a political ask. So I think many times these this, this so-called agreements, they don't include solutions. They just It's just like a wishful thinking, whether it's extreme thinking or not. All right, let's go to another caller. We have Henrietta. And Henrietta, you're on the air. 
Yes, thank you. I just wanted to make comments so that I, I see these people and I meet them and I ask them where they're from. And I also thank them for coming here to make this country better because we have to make them feel welcome. But I don't stop there. I told him, you, you have to get into the American process. You have to work. And what you have to do is vote because this is a system here. Take care of yourself. Don't be out in the streets running around. Go work. Go home. Save your money. Become an American citizen. But what they like to hear is the fact that I welcome them here. But I also tell them you have to educate yourself because you're here. You're going to start a family or already have a family. And you want to make yourself better because this country will give you that opportunity. And I ask him, why did you get here? Or why did you come? He says, free, 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 because we're a free country. And that's why they come here. But, you know, I, I give them advice. Be a good American. You need. You, you can stay here. You, we want you to stay here. But we also want you to be good citizens. And that's right. why they want to hear instead of people back-mouthing them because we don't want to do that. We need to make them feel welcome because right. so, if you feel welcome, they're not going to fight you. Henrietta, thank you so much for the call. I do appreciate that. Uh, Antonio Arellano, it's important to point out that I mean, when people do come to the United States and they have, uh, achieve some sort of legal status and they can uh, be here, it still takes at least 10 years of hard work in order to achieve citizenship um, and to be able to vote. But we have many, many people who are willing to risk their lives in order to do that. Listen, I appreciate Henrietta, Henrietta's call and love the sentiment of saying that she welcomes and thanks the immigrants that are coming to this country and wants to make them feel welcome. But you're right, the, the, the process that she lays out, let's get engaged, become a citizen. That's, that's what we're talking about. The process that that, that system the steps from getting here to becoming a citizen to contributing to this economy um, through the electoral process is a process that takes over a decade. And it's an expensive process that people who are already fleeing violence, sometimes terror or lack of economic opportunities in their own native countries do not have the resources to land in America, hire an attorney um, and, and start going through this, this process that is so so inefficient and ineffective. And I think the other point that she highlights, she says, I, I tell them to come here and be good citizens. And, and this is there's something interesting here. So I think that it's important to note that you've seen now uh, the, the extremist Republicans nation, nationwide start to cherry pick acts of violence at the hands of undocumented immigrants across the country to try to perpetuate a narrative um, that our communities are less safe because of immigrants and that our communities um, are being terrorized by immigrants. That could not be further from the truth. Again, I want to emphasize they are cherry picking to create a narrative of lack of safety, lack of, 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 of um, uh, it, it to soak fear in the minds and hearts of Americans, and that's a divide-and-conquer strategy that's as old as time. We see this in autocratic countries all the time, and autocrats assume power by leveraging social unrest and gradually weakening checks and balances and, and other, creating otherisms to point and blame, scapegoat um, immigrants, and blame all the problems in the country on their back. That could not be further from the truth, and we need to make sure that Americans realize that the people that are coming to this nation are coming here um, because of the promise of America. This nation made an, a promise 
long, long ago that said that they are the land, we are the land of opportunity, the land of freedom, the land, the land of justice for all. Um, and we just need to live up to that promise. All right, let's take another break. Our phone lines are open. Uh, Paul and Marcus, I'll get you on the air when we come back. Uh, the number is 833-877-8255, 833-TPR-TALK. Uh, and we're discussing the issue, the political issue of the border and immigration. We'll be right back. This is the source on Texas Public Radio. We're talking about the issues, the political issue uh, on the border. It's a hot, dominant political issue that's happening with border security and immigration. And these, these are two separate issues. Immigration is one thing. Border security is something else. Also, the trafficking of uh, drugs is another issue. Frequently, you'll have uh, politicians trying to mix it all together. But uh, that is not really uh, how th this should be working. should be looking at these things separately and tr coming up with solutions that will take care of the problem rather than just use them uh, to inflame uh, the public and get votes. Call in 833-877-8255. Let's go to Michael on the phones. And Michael, you have the air. Good afternoon. We cannot even give the American dream to people who are born in our own country. Why should we let people in now when we cannot even give the American dream to our own people? I'll take my answer off the air. Well, number one, the American dream is not given. It's earned. I don't care where you're born. Uh, unless you come from a very affluent family, uh, you gotta, you got to roll up your sleeves and you gotta, you got to put in the sweat to go get it. Uh, and uh, so, and let's go to, you know, uh, Fernando Garcia from the Border Network for Human Rights. Yeah, and, and actually that is exactly what we're, we're telling uh, people is that uh, the aims or the goals of immigrants are never been coming here to be handed something free. I mean, people is working hard every day in the fields, in the in construction, in, in the dairies. I mean, people work hard. And, and I do believe that other Americans also are living poverty. I mean, we have communities, not only communities of color, but also white communities that actually live in poverty. But the solution for that is not to demonize the other or hate the other, uh, because if you embrace that, then we're not going anywhere. We need to have a sustainable development, economic development for everybody. We need to organize. We need to push for uh, higher wages. We need to for work, uh, push for better working conditions, access to Medicare, Medicare, uh, healthcare, uh, education for everybody. And that's why we're coming from that idea that human rights should be part of our agenda in the United States. So everybody should be included. And Antonio Ariano, uh, with the Next Gen America, the largest vote organization, youth vote organization in the country, uh, your reaction to the caller? Yeah, I, I completely ag I agree with this, the sentiment here, which is overarching uh, the American dream is something that you earn and that you that, that you have an opportunity at, but it's based on your hard work. And I agree that we need to step away from this narrative of it's us versus them, uh, or either we benefit the American people or we benefit the undocumented immigrants. That is That couldn't be further from the truth. When we build an economy that is just, that recognizes uh, poor and working class folks, that 
that begins to prioritize uh, the middle class, we can then begin to expand our resources, our opportunity to everybody. This nation is the richest nation in the world. And this country has historically um, uplifted its 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 flag of human rights for all, but yet we keep falling short. And I completely agree with the caller. I think we, in terms of making sure that Americans are also um, at the table, the decision-making table, because it is Americans that have the heart that um, that we can't forget this nation. I mean, even in the, even the the uh, the Republican Party of Ronald Reagan is is a party that used to understand that we need to lead with humanity. One thing is clear: we need substantive approach to this to this issue. We need to move away from these deterrence tactics, family separation, wall building, all of these deterrence tactics, and get hyper focused on the real cost of migration, the real cost of the issue. And, and the thing is that that's not easy to do. But guess what? Like JFK once said, we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's hard and we take it head on, you know? And I think that there is, um, going back to the previous caller a couple of calls ago when she said, you know, this has become, this, is, this shouldn't be political. Look, I think that Texas legislators are doing too much politics and not enough legislating. They need to start getting the job. Well, they're not doing any oversight. And that's part of the concern about Operation Lone Star is that there is no legislative oversight. Uh, You know, Greg Abbott is able to spend a billion dollars here like he's just out on, you know, going to Applebee's, getting appetizers. You know, it's uh, there there should be hearings. There should be oversight. There should be some sort of discussion. We should the Texas taxpayers should uh, have an understanding of what we're getting for our money. And that's just not happening. I'm going to go to another caller. We have Paul. Uh, Paul And Paul, you're on the air. Hey, guys. Uh, I just wanted to, to reiterate what I've been hearing. And unfortunately, I, I don't believe that you're, uh, the people that you have on your, on your radio program are, are actually rooted to the ground because, you know, what are we what are we going to do with another 200,000 people a month coming to our border and crossing illegally when they don't want to take the steps to cross across a bridge and actually enter the right way and become documented you know uh, uh, you wonder why you wonder why cities like Chicago and Philadelphia and New York get so mad because they get just a bus of immigrants, and when we're in Texas and we're getting two hundred thousand a month, I I have a business that works with the public every day, and I run into at least fifty to sixty people Mexicans from Mexico every day, and they disrespect my business. They throw their crap on the ground. They don't give a damn what's going on around us. Hey. Things need to step up. We need to get our act together, and this we need to solve this problem. Right. And this isn't a, a Republican problem, and it's not a Democratic problem. We need to step up and do this right. Come on, guys. So, so tell me more about the problem that you're having with people sh- coming from Mexico. You're sure they're from Mexico, and or well, of course I know they're from Mexico. They're not even they're they're uh, they're able to purchase vehicles. And come on our property, they dump what they want to dump from 
their illegal uh, jobs, they they're they're just not good people that are coming to my business. Are, are they? Is it a retail to... business, or I'm just trying to understand because you know you're, you're bringing good information. I just want to have a better. Yeah, understanding. I manage I manage self serve car washes. Okay. All right. Yeah, and if you and if you've ever have you ever been to a self serve car sure. wash, or you just, of course. You just get your, yeah, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, most people get there when it's cleaned up already. But the problem is the overnight problem, where you get constant dumping. You get people who can't read the actual rules or even know how to mm-hmm. work in a society that that has things like us. I mean, has normal businesses. These people are coming from Guatemala, Honduras. All this. Hey, they're they're scared for their life, and I'm sorry, but we got our own problems over here. If right. they want to come across the border, correct way. Then come on across and okay. become documented. I just but want to make sure that right you know you say Mexicans, but it could be Venezuelan, could be Honduras. It, it, it's just you're just using it as it's a everybody as a, coming across the border, and okay. it's and it's not ten thousand a month. All right, it's two hundred. Yeah, it's two hundred thousand a month. Paul, I got you. I thank you so much. I appreciate you calling in and giving us that update. So really, really, really quickly, because we're almost out of time now, I just want to make sure that, you know, there's this, 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 this people lose the distinction between people who come across and claim asylum. They're not crossing illegally. That's not an illegal immigrant, right? Disclosure to say that probably immigrants are criminals and rapists, uh, as you did say before. And, and, and this shows how dehumanized is the conversation. I mean, we're talking about children and women coming and many of them are being processed by border patrol they are they're going through the through the system they are not coming as they say illegally right right uh and secondly i mean there's no line to, to be there is no right way there's no right way crossing on the border is I not mean, a possibility you shoot up at the border you 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 cannot cross it even with passports so i think there is no such a line to come in the right but way but it's just how complicated this issue is people are people are trying to find a solution and, uh, and and that's part of it. I'm really, really quickly, because I'm running out of time, but what, Marcus, let's get Marcus on the air really quick. Marcus, you're on the air. Uh, hi, David. Uh, yes, I just wanted to uh, say that I am a several-generation Texan here. My great-great-grandfather was governor of Texas of 1817, Ignacio Perez, and he had the problem, the reverse problem. There were all these uh, pioneers coming and squatting on his land, you know, by the thousands. And uh, as a matter of fact, Moses... Austin, Stephen F. Austin's father came to my grandfather and asked if he could, you know, settle on his land. He said no, because he had all these squatters there, people illegally coming in. And so we have this border problem. But I also think that the real issue is, you know, the American problems that we have, like the opioid crisis that is, you know, just been shoved under the table only because they want to demonize and they want to uh, really just people of color threaten us make us fearful for our lives because they really want to start going towards, and I'm talking about the right-wing Republicans and the Christians, the evangelical right, well, Christians. You're just, yeah, so Marcus, I appreciate you. I'm just saying that we cannot go into this uh, ideology of us against them. Right, I, I mean, got I'm, you. I got I to gotta let you go. Appreciate it. Wanted to give you a chance. Really, really quickly, uh, Antonio Ariano, I mean, I've got 30 seconds for you. 
definitely not us against them. It's got to be all of us together to fix this problem. And we've got to make sure that our, our politicians, our representatives recognize that we need solutions, not political theater. All right. I want to thank our guest, uh, Fernando Garcia, executive director of the Border Network for Human Rights. He is with the campaign We Will Resist. Many organizations in San Antonio, across South Texas, along the border, coming together to uh, fight for humanitarian solutions uh, for immigration and also to fight uh, the uh, call for accountability with Operation Lone Star. Also, Antonio Ariano with the Next Gen America, the largest youth voting organizations in the country, and they are following what's happening on the border and how we're treating our migrants. So thank you so much for us today. And this is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. Thank you for listening. This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves, and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.